Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this gathering at Kingdom 101. We pray for those who are gathered here physically, and we pray for those who are also listening in to the recording. We just ask, Lord, for your presence, for your anointing, and we ask, Holy Spirit, will you come and teach us? Uh, and I commit myself to you. Lord, I'm your servant. I'm your mouthpiece. Lord, will you enable me? All that has been prepared. Will you speak through this, Lord, so that you will touch lives and also set people free to serve you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This evening we are at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. And the title that I've selected is Choose Life. Life is full of choices. But just because life is full of choices doesn't mean that we know how to choose that which leads to life. And we're in this book of Matthew, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. You know that we've been traveling through this for quite a while. And we have actually come to the final section of this sermon. Jesus' kingdom message and his kingdom manifesto. We've taken a while. We actually started back in 2016, January, if you will count back. If you want a sort of a, a marker... It will be lesson number 25 for those who want to go back and review that. We went up Mount Makarios. Then we tracked through the main contents week by week from lesson 26 to 56. And I did a count. That would have been 30 sessions so far. And so Jesus, through this sermon, as we have journeyed with Him and with one another, Jesus has introduced, He has presented, He has explained everything. Even right at the end, he has provided a one-line summary. Do you remember? The one big idea, the golden rule, and we called it the gold standard. And now he's giving his closing remarks. Now I'm giving you this picture because you must understand it, it doesn't appear by itself. It comes right at the end of all that Jesus has said. This is the final, final section. And in this final section, you see that Jesus presents a choice. That there's a narrow and a broad gate and a broad, uh, narrow and a broad way. And then later on, Jesus gives a caution. Beware of false prophets. And then Jesus highlights the consequence. You know those verses that nobody likes to read? I never knew you, that, <laughs> those verses. Right? But you must understand, it falls within all these things. There's a choice, and He gives a caution... Then he states the consequence, and only after that, then he ends with the conclusion of all conclusions. It took him a while to get to this point. Then we have the wise and the foolish builders. And this is important for us because many times when we look at these verses, we tend to understand them in isolation, right? We tend to look at one verse, two verses, and we say, okay, fine, how do we apply these? Well, it's not inaccurate, but it just misses the entire picture. We just take it by itself. We, we miss the full thing of what Jesus is really trying to tell us. And we don't understand each point in its relation and also in its context. I really want to challenge you that I pray that after tonight, as well as the next three lessons, this, this whole concluding section down here, you cannot understand this section without knowing or understanding the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to check yourself and evaluate. Have you been only reading these verses by itself with no reference to the entire sermon? You can't do that. 
You've got to look at the sermon and you've got to look at this final section. And so I want to invite you. Let's journey together. Don't just come for one and then miss another one, you know. Otherwise, again, you don't get the picture. You've got to look at all four together to understand what Jesus is saying in this final, final section. So let's go to that first part of this final section. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now this is not the only time that Jesus mentions something about a gate or a way being broad or narrow. There's another reference, and I'll read that for you in Luke chapter 13. You will find this in Luke chapter 13, verses 23 to 30. If you, want a, you, if you want a full passage context, then you go back and read that. But let me just highlight two verses to you, 23 and 24. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Two references, one in Matthew and one in Luke. And thank God that there are two references because Luke will help us understand a little bit of what Jesus is saying in Matthew. Now, if you want a choice, then you have to be presented with some options. No point saying that you have a choice and tell you this is the only way. You and I, we have been created as moral beings with, with free will. We get to choose, right? God doesn't create us as robots and program us to love Him. That, that's not the idea. Otherwise, it'll be very easy. Just press a few buttons and then we'll, have, we'll be able to do and obey everything that He wants us to do. But where's the morality then, right? We have a free will. There has to be a moral choice. And so when we look at this passage... I want you to see the choice. It's like uh, the matrix, you know, it's a red, red pill or a blue pill kind of thing. It's an option A and option B. As good Bible students, the first thing we see is that there are contrasts. There's something that is broad, there's this broad gate and there's a narrow gate. And it leads to a broad way or a narrow way. There's also these, this word called difficult. So I suppose you can presume that the opposite would be what? Easy, right? And so something would be easy and something would be difficult. But then one will lead to destruction and the other will lead to life. And then in the end, Jesus says, few would find it, which means there would be an, a contrast of what? Many, right? That many will not be able to find this. Note the contrasts. And the contrasts are very clear. They're very precise. It's either this or that. You don't get to hum and haw and a, a little bit of this and a little bit of that can or not. You know? Can I have my cake and eat it? Now, if we be honest, many of us would be like that, right? <laughs> can, I, can I obey this and not obey that? You know? uh, can I do this but don't have that? You know? No, no, it's very clear. It's very precise. Everything is presented. Now, the options are clear. But I think the terms and the images may not be as clear to us. What do they really refer to? If we don't understand what the images 
are representing and what Jesus is alluding to or suggesting to us, then it's very hard for us to make a right decision, correct? We have to discern it. We need to know what these things are referring to. And I want to look at the gates first. The gate is the most critical and the most important. Because if you get this wrong, you'll end up in the wrong place. But if you get the gate right, then the way will be right, and then the result will take care of itself. But if you get the gate wrong, guess where? And guess what? You're you're, going to end up somewhere else, and that's not where you want to be. Right? So let's look at the issue first of the narrow gate. The first question we ask is this. Does this narrow gate refer to salvation? Is it a salvation gate? Because I think people may have thought about it, and maybe we have presumed that this might be also a gate that refers to and is about salvation. Let me give you the answer tonight. The answer is both yes and no. Don't you love the Bible? Let's address the no first. Let me explain to you, okay, why it is both yes and no. Now, remember the book of Matthew. Matthew was writing to the Jews. Now, if you understand the Jews, they are people of the kingdom. They are God's kingdom people. And here comes the king telling his kingdom people how they are to choose and what should they be considering. When we started the Sermon on the Mount, it is also very clear that Jesus spoke to the disciples. Now, the disciples are already believers. Would you agree with me? Right? So we have kingdom people who are believers of Jesus. Now, technically, these have already been saved. They they have been taken out, delivered from a, a hostile kingdom, and they have been saved by grace. And so in the traditional understanding of what salvation might be in many of our minds, this gate does not really refer to that. It is not about that salvation. Because each day and every day and every moment, the disciples and kingdom people, and if you are one of these, you will know you have to choose how you are to live for the king. It's a daily decision that you make. Every moment when you are presented with a choice, this is presented unto you. And so, No, not in the traditional way or the popular way in that we understand salvation. I hope you follow me in this understanding. Secondly, a second point that supports the no, it's not about this salvation gate. We see in Luke, we read the passage in verse 24 of Luke chapter 13. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Strive. And the word strive, it's about agonizing. Work hard. Make sure you you do what is needed to get through this gate. Strive. As far as I understand, salvation is by faith. It's never by works. I don't have to work very hard just to believe in Jesus first. Salvation is by faith entirely. It is free. It is a gift, not by my works. There's no need to strive at all. I understand that this narrow gate is not really the gate of salvation in the way that you and I would normally understand salvation. 
But then again, we must be very careful because in Luke chapter 13, 23, one verse before, this person asked Jesus, Lord, are there few who are saved? Now, you're going to look at that verse and you say, you see, it's about salvation. I said, well, yeah, it is about salvation, but it's not about salvation the way we first understand it. And so the answer is yes, it is about salvation. But if you understand it correctly, Jesus clearly shows that salvation is not a one-time transaction, but salvation is a process. And if you read the words of Paul in much of his theology, in many of his epistles, you will see that he refers to a time when we were saved, and there's a time now that we are being saved, and there will be a time in the future where we will be saved. Salvation is not a one-time transaction. Salvation is a process. And I believe Jesus here is saying, as you believe in me, and as I am your king, and you are living as people of the kingdom, you have decisions to make that will lead you, as you are being saved, towards your will be saved in the final end. If you're not sure about this, I really invite you to go back and study because in Luke chapter 13, 23 to 30, that passage which we drew these verses from, you'll find that Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. And then later on, there'll come a time where these would come to a door. And the master of the door will shut that door. You see that? They enter through a gate, but they find themselves at the door. And the gate and the door are two different things which shows you that there is a journey still to be walked through. The words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verse 13, in His sharing with the disciples and warning them to be aware of the signs of the times, He actually says this, those who endure to the end shall be saved. Now, if we are already saved and we don't have to worry anymore, why endure to the end so that we shall be saved? See, the language is very, very telling. That's why we look at this image of this, this narrow gate. We ask, is it about salvation? And I'll tell you, it's both yes and no. Because no, not in the traditional way we understand. Because once we believe in Jesus, we are saved. We are brought into His kingdom community and brought into a kingdom life. But every day, you are presented with choices that you must make. And you need to choose how you will walk. I know some of you will still take some time to process this. But against this background, let me share with you two aspects of this gate. Now that we understand, it's not just about salvation as in giving my life to Jesus, but understanding that salvation is a process that you and I walk through entirely, also by faith. But after that, there's a need to work out that salvation. The first aspect is this. The narrow gate is the gate to the kingdom life. Once you believe in Jesus, now you enter a kingdom life. Right? You've got to choose. Do I live for Jesus or don't I live for Jesus? Do I serve this king or don't I serve this king? You see, the entire Sermon on the Mount has been about the ways of the kingdom. Jesus says, look, if you want to understand my kingdom, this is what it is. These are my people. These are their traits. This will be their attitude. This would be my laws. This would be how you would exceed righteousness. 
as my kingdom subjects, these would be the right focus. Now the question is, will you choose this or will you not? It's not about believing in Jesus and waiting to go to heaven. You know, nothing to do with that. The narrow gate is the gate to the kingdom life. Do you know you can, st- you can believe in Jesus and you can still carry excess baggage? Let me say that once more for you. You can believe in Jesus and you can still carry all the barang barang, all the excess baggage and you say, okay, let me walk this way right now. And I want you to picture this. It's like the gate is like a, a filter. Jesus is saying, okay, there's this broad gate and this is a narrow gate, right? Not? Okay, and if you're carrying all your luggages, all your excess baggage, you've got to go through a filter. You've got to choose which way you want to live. If you want a way that leads to life, then you're going to go through this filter. Now, we are Singaporeans who travel very often. I'm sure you've seen this picture before, right? This is a, a measuring device for cabin bags, cabin luggage. The big ones, you have to check in. But for those you want to carry on, you've, you've got to meet certain criteria, right? If it's too big, then cannot, you've got to unpack. You've got to make sure it shrinks down to a certain size, then you're able to carry it through. Do you know there are many Christians who want to walk the Christian life uh, with all their hang-ups? everything they want, all their agenda, all their desires, all their old bad habits and everything, they want to bring through it and say, I'm saved already, what? And Jesus is reminding us, say, look, look, okay, you want, to, you want to walk this kingdom life? Okay, can. Choose the narrow gate. Has to be the narrow gate because that's the only gate. <laughs> the, the other one is not the kingdom life. That one is bluff one, is pseudo kingdom life. Okay, don't get snooped. Don't get, don't get derailed. The broad gate will always be more comfortable, will always be more attractive. The narrow one is like, oh, you mean i got to get rid of this? i got to get rid of that? Yeah. Paul says to us, you've got to put off the old man. And now you've got to put on this new man in Christ. You can't get in by yourself. You need Jesus. And now you have Jesus, you have to walk the way of Jesus. But what's our preference? Our preference is that we want to remain as we are, right? Everything also we want, we also take, right? Just as I am without one plea, right? Amen? I know you come to Jesus just as you are. But once you believe in Jesus, remember Galatians actually tells us, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. T.A. Sparks, a theologian and the preacher, says it this way. The new way of life is so narrow that we cannot take ourselves into it. We have to leave ourselves behind. My dear friends, are you, are you ready to leave yourself behind? Are you ready to leave yourself behind? Because if you bring your old self with you, it's not going to work. Do you know who Jesus saved us from? He saved us from the old self. Now why would you want to bring your old self with you? Now Jesus says, I, I'm the king. This is my kingdom way. You want to come in? Ken, there's a little filter down there. You come as you are, by grace. And after that, you need to choose. You need to choose. There's a narrow gate and there's a broad gate. That's the first aspect. The narrow gate is the gate to the kingdom life. The second aspect is this, that the narrow gate is the gate to the spiritual life. 
Because it's not just a kingdom understanding. You need to know that Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And you want to live this kingdom life, it's got to be a spiritual life. Let me throw some scriptures at you. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, this is what we see. And I want to lay this out graphically. And this is a bonus for those who are present. You get to see this. There's a narrow gate that leads to a narrow way that leads to life. There's a broad gate that leads to a broad way that leads to destruction. Now, Jesus is the one that declares this and gives this picture. But do you know that there are similar passages in the New Testament that also have the same parallels? Paul picks up on the idea and he preaches in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 6. And he says now, look, those who walk according to the flesh, that will lead to death. And those who walk according to the Spirit, that will lead you to life and to peace. Can you see the, the results are about very, very similar, very, the same parallel? In Galatians, he says the same thing. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap in the Spirit everlasting life. And he actually says in the, in the beginning of those passages, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. If you sow flesh, this is what you're going to reap. If you sow to the Spirit, everlasting life. Now this should really make us ask the question, I thought John 3.16 said, the moment I believe I have everlasting life. Can you see? You've got to read your Bible. You've got to read every part of your Bible, not just one verse. And not just share on Instagram and post on Facebook the one that you like the most. You've got to see its whole context. Let's put it all together. How do I walk this way of the flesh? I must go through a broad gate, am I correct? How do I sow to the flesh? Again, a broad gate of the flesh. And so I call the broad gate a flesh gate. If you process everything through your flesh, if your filter is only that of your flesh, that's the broad gate. Anything that appeals to the flesh, penders to the flesh, the things of this world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Anything that appears attractive to you in a fleshly, lustful way. That's the broad gate. It's a flesh gate. But if you process everything through the Spirit, that is what I would call the Spirit gate. It is the entry point that is important. Now think about it, it's not true. Every time you are presented with a choice, you either respond in the flesh or you respond in the Spirit. And so the Spirit gate helps us understand that we are going on to a narrow way, which is really to walk to this, in, this, in the ways of the Spirit. And it is not easy because it's not natural for us. The natural way is the flesh way. The unnatural way that's upside down to all of us is it's, it's a spirit gate. Go back and read the entire Sermon on the Mind. How many of you would read this sermon and say, oh, 
Very easy to accomplish, man. No problem, ah. Can do one, ah. I think our very first reading and second and 100 reading or 1,000 reading, every time I read it, I say, wow, we cannot make it, man. This is tough. It's difficult. Who wants to say amen with me? It's difficult. Why? Because it can only be done in the Spirit. You've got to sow to the Spirit and you've got to walk according to the Spirit. Let's look at the context and check and test this interpretation. A couple of verses before, in the two lessons before, we say, ask for what? That was Jesus' first, first conclusion, as it were, you know, first wrap-up. After teaching everything, He tells you to ask for what? And we concluded and we learned, ask for the Holy Spirit. Because we need the Holy Spirit to live this Sermon on the Mount. We need the Holy Spirit to live kingdom and to live the spiritual life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. How do we live the golden rule? We need the Holy Spirit. Immediately after that, verse 13, He tells you now, you go into the narrow gate. Look for the narrow gate. And as we compare Scripture with Scripture, we begin to understand. Paul gives the explanation. It's the Spirit gate. That's a narrow way. And you know why few find this gate? Few will find this. We have to ask ourselves, is it narrow and difficult to find? That's why they can't find it. Or is it few desire to find it? Because I tell you, it's much easier to follow a set of rules and to walk the way of the flesh. Very easy. You tell me what to do, I do. Lah. Okay? Uh, so I attend church. Oh. I come to cell group. Oh. Uh, I serve in this. Oh. I, I just do that. I don't even need the Holy Spirit to be a church guy. It's easy. But you try being led by the Spirit. It's a whole different ballgame. Why do we see that few will find it? Because some also will think it's only for those who are super spiritual. Those who are gifted for spiritual things. If you talk to me, I'm not spiritual, so it's okay. So we disqualify ourselves from finding this gate. Two aspects. The narrow gate is the gate to the kingdom life. And the narrow gate is the gate to the spiritual life. Because you need the Spirit to help you live the kingdom. Now that we have settled that, we go on to the next part. Because once you go through the gate, you get to the way. Now you notice, I'm only sharing with you what's the narrow gate and what's the narrow way. I don't think I need to teach you what's the broad one. That's it. Uh, I think very easy, we'll be able to find it, man. Okay? Anything that you naturally gravitate to, uh, that one, that one will be broad. The narrow way. I call it the way of the Spirit, if you agree with me, uh, of what I've been trying to share here with you. The narrow way is the way of the Spirit. Four quick parts for you here. First, the narrow way is the way of love, not of legalism. If you are walking by the Holy Spirit, you will see that in Romans chapter 7, verse 6, it says, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. The narrow way is not about religiosity. It's not about rituals, rules and regulations that tell you if you don't do this, you're going to die. Okay, but if you do this, then you will live. No, no, that's legalism, you understand? It will kill you. That's the owners of the letter. 
And that's why there will be condemnation that will come upon you. And don't take a condemnation, guilt kind of a paradigm as if you're walking the narrow way. No, that's the wrong understanding. The narrow way, although it's difficult, doesn't mean that you only look for the difficult things. That's not the idea. Is that when you walk the Spirit, there will be difficult challenges that will come against us. It is not the owner's of the letter because the old man will always strive on working for righteousness and on religion and when you fail it will kill you it doesn't bring life it will kill you so if you are walking your kingdom life and you're, you think you're walking your spiritual walk in your kingdom life and it's killing you guess what wrong way wrong way the narrow way is narrow but it's a way of the spirit it's a way of love Because this verse that I just read to you concludes this section that Paul was writing about a relationship. He says, look, you have died in Christ and because you have died, you are set free from this law that binds you. The oldness of the law, the letter of the law that bound you and killed you, you have been set free now. And because you have been set free, you are now married to another. You are married to Jesus Christ. And now you're given the Spirit of the Christ so that you serve not out of rules and cannot do this, cannot do that. You serve out of love. That's the big difference. And those of us who are married, I hope you understand what I I, I mean when we talk about a marital relationship. If between husband and wife, you've got to slap each other because it's a do and don't and how come you didn't cook breakfast for me, you didn't fetch my slippers for me, you didn't read the newspaper to me, We will kill each other in a relationship, right? But if it's out of love, and because I want to please the one that I love, that I'm married to, then I'll do what would please this person. I will limit myself from doing those things that hurt this person. I will narrow myself to doing and not doing anything that would hurt or please my spouse. That's why it's narrow. Because you understand the spirit of this king. You you understand the spirit of your spouse, so to speak. So in the same way, we seek to please Jesus because we love him. And it's crazy when we talk about the gospel being love and God is love and we keep repeating all the time, but there are so many Christians who are bound because they never experience the love of Jesus. The narrow way is the way of the spirit, is the way of love, It is not of legalism. Secondly, it is also the way of liberty and not license. The narrow way is a way of liberty. Now some of you will listen to this and you go, huh? Narrow way got liberty. Right? Narrow means I'm very constricted. But you see, if you agree that it is the way of the Spirit, then... Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or there is liberty. We've been, we've been set free from the confines, the condemnation of the law, and we've been released into the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Now if you walk the way of the Spirit, Do you know that you're also confined by a law? It's called the law of the spirit of life. Don't think you are never with law, okay? Because God's kingdom is a lawful kingdom. You cannot run away from law. 
You just run away from the wrong understanding of law, from the wrong application of the law, because if we walk by the law of the Spirit, it leads to life, because it's the law of the Spirit of life. And so we still have parameters, and we are confined by the Holy Spirit. And freedom is found in the Spirit of the law, because freedom is never found in the letter of the law. Now today this word freedom is largely being abused and the world will define freedom as doing what you want to do, when you want to do and how you want to do. Biblical freedom is not like that. Biblical freedom is safe and it leads to life because it functions within the confines of God's law. If you walk rightly within God's law, you will discover a liberty that you have never heard of and never experienced before. The only way to understand this, and I believe it was Peter Sukahiro who gave this uh, illustration, Singapore is a very safe country. You can walk around and it is very safe as, as compared to other nations where you wouldn't even think of doing something like that, right? Our children can play in the parks, the women can walk uh, and go other places without fear of anything uh, bad in that sense. Why? Because Singapore has laws in place and we police those laws. Can you understand? If you remove those laws, you don't have that freedom anymore. And the people can't see. This is the crazy thing. Because the flesh gate does not want Freedom in a way God wants to give us freedom. The flesh gate wants to only pander to the fleshly ways of men to do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, however we want to do it, and we don't even care. And you are going to see that many who will walk that way, it will only lead to death. If you dispense with the law of God, Jesus already tells you, it will lead to death. You will die. It will be corruption. You have freedom because there is law. And if you're led by the Spirit, if you walk according to the Spirit, the Spirit will prompt you. The Spirit will convict you. The Spirit will narrow you to the way and the path for your good because He is the Spirit of life. Our walk is narrowed by choice because we choose to, to obey, to submit, to stay close to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul even warned the Galatians, You've been set free from the condemnation of the law. But please, just because you've been set free from this curse of the law, don't use this, this freedom to satisfy and gratify your flesh. But instead, use this opportunity. Now you have this freedom. Serve one another. Love one another. Go the way of the Spirit. The way of the Spirit is the way of liberty. And it will lead to life. And that's what the entire Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's the way of the kingdom. It's the way of the Spirit. Now, we don't like that because the kingdom tells us, give up your rights. Don't fight so hard. Let it go. Don't push your agenda. Move on the agenda of the king. Put others first. Deal with issues like bitterness, anger, unforgiveness. All that is the fruit of the Spirit. That's the way of the kingdom. This is how your king would desire for you to move. 
Deal with your money issues. The moment you see dollar sign on it, you don't run. That's the broad way. And today we are seeing in the church, dollar signs all over the place. And we say that if you serve Jesus, then this is what you're going to get. Now tell me, is it the broad way or is it the narrow way? You decide for yourself. If you process it with the wrong gate, you end up in the wrong way. See, you've got to go back to the entire Sermon on the Mount. Deal with greed. Greed is a broad way, definitely. Covetousness is a broad way. Seek first the kingdom. How you need the Holy Spirit. But as you walk with the Holy Spirit, that's where you get that freedom. You are liberated from yourself. Do you understand? You are liberated from having to drive as big a car as someone else to have a bigger house. You are liberated from all that because you live the life of the King now. You know who you are in Christ. You have your identity secure. You don't have to do all these things to why young and to boast and to, to glory in yourself. That's true liberty. And if you have not experienced that, would you make a good choice tonight to choose the narrow gate and walk the narrow way? How do we keep to this narrow way? Because if you are walking this way, it's, it's very easy to, to veer, is it not? Huh? Because you walk a few steps, huh? someone throw a few things here, you know, flash a few advertisements down here, it's like, whoa, very nice. Our minds are set on things of the Spirit. Paul says you are seated with Christ. You are hidden with Christ. Set your mind on things above, not on things below. And so you have to understand what the difference is between the disciplines of the Spirit and the desires of the flesh. I want to borrow from Richard Foster. If you have read his book, Celebration of Disciplines, he would show you this picture or he would describe this to you. He calls this the path of disciplined grace. You have to train yourself in godliness. You don't just become spiritual overnight in that sense because there's a daily dying and a crucifying of this flesh gate and the flesh. So you train yourself, you exercise yourself towards this because he says that godliness, if you train it, has profit for both this life and the life that is to come. You're talking eternity down here. Okay? So he calls this a path of disciplined grace. It's grace because it's free. You get to travel on this path, not because you're good. But it's disciplined because there's something for us to do. And this path appears like a, like a narrow way because it's sandwiched between two places that, like ravines that we can fall deep into if we don't stay on this narrow path. On one side, we have the heresy of moralism. And the heresy of moralism is a moral bankruptcy through human strivings for righteousness. And we've been there. Sometimes we think we've got to do more so that we can be better people before God. And that can tend to legalism. And we feel guilty whenever we don't do that. And after we do that and we are tired already, where do we swing to? We, we swing back to the narrow path and then we don't stop there. We go to the other side and we end up with the heresy of antinomianism, which is against the law. means to say, don't need to do anything. So on one side, must do a lot. On the other side, the one to do. Now, both extremes are wrong. It is a moral bankruptcy through the absence of human strivings. And it's license in that sense because you can do anything you want. You just enjoy yourself, you know, and just be that Christian, couldn't care less, you know, very free life. 
So on one side, you have legalism. On the other side, you have license. But if you would stay on the straight and the narrow and walk the way of the Spirit, that is where you experience true liberty. And it's narrow because I can tell you, the moment you step out to the left, very quickly you move to an extreme to the left or to the right. And that's why you have to imagine this path as, as if you are keeping onto that narrow way, that narrow path, the way of the Spirit. The narrow way is the way of the Spirit, which is a way of love. Secondly, it's a way of liberty. But the narrow way is also the way of suffering towards glory. The way of suffering towards glory. Enter by the narrow gate, stenos gate. That's the Greek. Because stenos or narrow is the gate. And difficult, that's another word called philebo, is the way which leads to life. Now, if you look at stenos, it will mean straight and narrow, but it is also the root word for another, which means anguish and distress. You try and walk straight. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. You're going to be anguished at some point, and you can face some distress. Now, the way is difficult. The word difficult there is thlibo, which means to press together or to compress or to afflict, or to crush. And from that word, we have another word called thlipsis, which translates as tribulations. So imagine yourself walking down a narrow path, but it's not a field on the left and a field on the right, but a wall on the left and a wall on the right. And not only that, as you're walking, these walls seem to like sometimes crush you a little bit. Right? And you have to walk sideways sometimes. That's the narrow picture. And there are things that will come against us that would seem to compress us or seem to press and push us and squeeze us and crush us. Now you can look at these and get really upset, get very angry. Say, how can, why, why can't I have a four-lane highway? Huh? God will be much easier, right? Huh? Four-lane expressway, I just, I just cruise all the way into the kingdom. Or you can look at it as your left and right markers to keep you on the path. Would that be better? You can gripe and get upset with God, or you can say, okay, fine, these things are there because they are there to function as markers for me. Because I hear sometimes, and sometimes as I walk this path, it's not easy because as I lift the things of the kingdom, people don't like it. People will laugh at you. They will say bad things about you. They will call you names. They can persecute you. For Jesus, they crucified Him. But as you walk through this, just understand that it's keeping you on it straight and narrow because difficult times are also a test for the genuineness of our faith. Will we keep going? Will we keep loving Jesus, serving the King until we reach where we have to reach? And if you look at this narrow path and this way as your own spiritual walk and spiritual journey of growth and maturity, the question for you is, will you grow up or will you give up? And James chapter 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when we fall into various trials. Count it all joy. He didn't say that it was joyful. He says, count it joy. Consider it like a joy. 
Because it, you know that the testing of your faith would produce patience and let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If you walk the way of the kingdom, if you walk the spiritual life, God and Jesus did not promise you it's going to be a walk in the park. He already told you straight up there. Okay, you can, you can read the fine print. And in fact, it's not even a fine print. It is right there in the message. Sometimes we just discard it. He says, difficult will be this way, but it leads to life. How much do you want life? If you understand what life is, then you're willing to bear through the challenging times because God means it well for you. When you look at the narrow way, I want you to also picture Jesus walking the narrow way. If you have been to Israel, you would have seen this sign called a Via Dolorosa. Supposedly, this would, be, this would have been the route that Jesus took as He walked that way from conviction to the cross. And He was led by this way. He walked this way. It was a narrow path and He wasn't walking alone only with that horizontal beam upon Him. There were people lined along the streets. He had to, he had to jostle His way through. People were spitting at Him. They were probably throwing things at Him, calling Him names. And this Via Dolorosa literally means the way of grief or the way of suffering. He literally walked this narrow way towards fulfilling his kingdom assignment. Have you ever thought about it that way? He was towards his assignment. He had to finish this. If he did not finish this assignment of assignments, you and I won't be seated here. He walked through the narrow path. And in Luke 24, 26 it was explained, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? See, the path to glory is through a way of suffering because that suffering will test that faith of ours. And so He sets this example as the author and the finisher of our faith. And we are called to, to follow Christ as He suffered for us that we should follow His steps. When you read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, and it says, Will you keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith? Don't just see it as an inspirational, motivational verse. I want you to see that you're keeping your eyes on this, your Savior, walking through this narrow path on the way to a kingdom assignment. And then the, the writer of Hebrews then reminds you, then you run that same race with endurance. It's not just a pick-me-up inspirational thing. You know? Oh, let's look to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. In the same way he finished his assignment, you finish yours. The question is, do you know yours in the first place? And if you know it, are you willing to bear through the narrow path? Because it leads to glory. It leads to glory. Paul writes much about suffering and glory. And let me remind you, he's called the Apostle of Grace. He writes much about suffering and glory. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. We boast in the difficult times that we go through. We don't look for them. We don't purposely go and choose these difficult times. We walk the way of Jesus and we are ready for the difficult times that come. And when it comes... This tribulation produces perseverance because we will endure. We will plow through. And as we do that, God shapes us and God grows us. And spiritually, our character is more that we become more like Christ and we move towards that hope that is in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? So every time we are going through a difficult time, we should have hope 
of glory. But we always do it the other way around, right? The moment we have a difficult time, we lose hope. But if you understand the way of the king and the way of the spiritual life and the way of suffering and the narrow path and the way of the spirit, then each time we go through, we're suffering for Jesus. If we're suffering for our wrong decisions, don't blame God. The way of suffering towards glory. Finally, the way of the Spirit, I believe, is also the way into the kingdom. Now, when you look at this and when you hear this, you might again be wondering, aren't we already in the kingdom? Then I say you have to read your Bible again because there are many, many phrases where Paul writes and the apostles write to say that we, will, we are doing all these things because one day we will enter the kingdom. We are in the kingdom, we are not yet into the kingdom. This is always the paradox. This is always the now and the not yet. We are saved and yet we are not yet fully saved. We are in people of the kingdom and yet one day we will enter that kingdom. What is happening in between? It is the way. It is the process, the life you and I live. We have to walk this way. That's why Peter says in 2 Peter 1 verses 10 and 11, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. Huh? You mean not sure? I thought Pao Chiawan. For if you do these things, still must do. I thought Jesus already did everything on the cross. You mean I still must do? No, you've you've got to add to your faith this and that and this, right? You 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 read. Do these things, you will never stumble. And here comes the reason he's saying all this. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We must read our Bible. (laughs) We must hear what our King is saying. And we must understand what it means to live by the Spirit of the Lord. Because if you still are listening to this in the old letter of the Lord, then this will become condemnation to you. But if you hear this in the Spirit of the Lord, then understand there's grace that is given to us so that we can walk this way according to the Spirit. I started by telling you that Jesus' final section here really is a final section to the entire Sermon on the Mount. If you only read verses 13 and 14 by itself, you will miss the full picture. And I hope I've demonstrated that at least adequately in this time that I have. But as we close this teaching... Jesus has also been known or referred to as the second Moses. Jesus went up onto the mountain and the king, as a lawgiver, delivers the law. He shares, this is what it is to understand and live my law. Moses also went up onto the mountain and he gave the law. But when it came to the time of Deuteronomy, he had to repeat and give the law a second time. Now, this title, Deuteronomy, simply means the second law. And at the end of Deuteronomy, in chapter 30, he also gives a conclusion and a summary in almost the same manner as Jesus did. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. Same choice, same words. And his point is this. Love God, keep His commandments, obey Him, and you will, it will lead to life. But if you miss all this, and it will lead to death. Then he repeats again in verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I've set before you, here he goes, life and death, blessing and cursing. 
And then he says, therefore, choose life. You have a choice to make. Which would you choose? And like Moses, he didn't leave it to the people to guess. He says, let me give you the hint. Uh, choose life. Don't choose death, okay? Just in case you're thinking of choosing death. I know there's no one seated here and no one listening in that would consciously choose death, right or not? But just because we say that, it doesn't mean that one would deliberately and consciously choose life either. Many times we just go as the, you know, we see how it feels and, and it, we're actually not really wanting to choose death, but in our decisions, it leads to death. And so here I'm, I'm asking you, choose life. Look right in. It's got to be life. Then you walk back and you say, okay, fine. Life, i got to go the narrow way. If it's got to be a narrow way, then it's got to be a narrow gate. Now, what decisions will I take? How will I process? What would be my filter? Every day, each moment, you have to decide which gate would you choose. Will it be a flesh gate or will it be a spirit gate? Because that will determine which way you will take and that determines where you are headed and where you will finally end up. Jesus says, choose the narrow gate. And I tell you, it goes against our every fleshly instinct, but it's the right gate. And you need to strive for this because each time a, an option is presented to you, you will, you will wrestle, you will struggle within yourself. Should I go this or should I do that? It's a crisis of faith, but you, you are told, strive, battle, fight for this. That's why it's called fight the good fight of faith. Do you believe, do you really believe Jesus when He says it will lead to life? Because if you go by your eyes, the broad gate and the broad way looks very lively. Do you believe in Jesus? Because if you do, then you don't walk by sight, you walk by faith. And you will choose the right gate. Jesus says, walk and keep to the narrow way. It is difficult, yes. But be thankful that Jesus did not sugarcoat it at all. You cannot walk to the end and then you feel very shortchanged by, by Jesus. Cannot. Because what He says will be true. And He promises never to leave us. He promises to give His Holy Spirit to empower us. And you know His grace will be sufficient for you. And the best thing for, of our King is this. He walked the narrow way Himself. And He showed us how to do it. And finally, Jesus says, there won't be many, but would you be one of the few? Would you choose life? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for telling us like it is. Thank you, Lord, for presenting it so clearly, for making the terms so obvious to us. And yet, Lord, you know how we struggle when we vacillate between the things of the Spirit and the things of the flesh. And Lord, we say we need your help. We cannot do this without you. After each teaching, we realize we cannot do this without you. And we struggle. But I thank you, Lord, your grace is always there for us. That if anyone would have made a wrong move, a wrong decision to walk the way of the flesh, the opportunity for us to change course is always there. And so, Lord, we make a decision this evening. We want to choose life. And we say, Lord, help us, enable us. And we are going to hold you to your word because it is true. 
you're going to be with us and you're going to wait for us right at the end, even as you journey with us through this entire way. That there will be life and there will be glory. And we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.